people told me I couldn't do a lot of things. I feel like I'm the chosen one. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. All we are is proud and passionate. I love Toronto. I love this team. And we're going to the Nothing matters but winning. Welcome back to episode 27 of Rapsol Weekly. I'm your co-host, Gabriel Chelio. And your other co-host, Adam Casucci. And today we're doing our week six NBA recap. We have a couple of first round series to finish off and then we're going to go to the second round. So starting with the Bucks, they're able to finish their first round series once the NBA restarted again. And they played game five on Saturday, August 29th, beating the Magic 118 to 104, led by Giannis's 28 points, 17 board performance on 65% field goal. Obviously a great game from him, good numbers. And Middleton added 21, 10 and seven. The Bucks basically had their three stars playing best to close this one out. Meanwhile, the Magic were led by the usual Nikola Vucevic with 22, 15, and 5. Forney added 18 points and Augustine with 15, but that's not enough for them. It can't be enough. They were struck with too many injuries, especially not having Gordon. That was probably their biggest downfall, and I didn't think there's any way they'd be able to come out of the series. So that gave us the matchup Bucks versus Heat in the second round. Um, Miami ended game one strong, winning 115 to 104. Much to our surprise, we thought Bucks were going to be a clear um, you know, winner in this series and would probably take a lead early on. But for game one, they were outscored in the first quarter, but Miami came back strong after that, outscoring the Bucks in all other quarters by five or more points. Jimmy Butler was outstanding this night with a 40-point performance on 65% shooting. Clearly, Jimmy can find a way to lead this team over the number one seed, especially when he makes both of his three-pointers. He was two for two. And like we said, horrible three-point shooter this season, 24%. So he is absolutely killing it. Dragic also added 27, 6, and 5 on 60% field goal. Giannis had one of his worst performances in the playoff, which says a lot since it was almost a triple-double. He had 18, 10, and 9 on 50% shooting. However, he went 3 for 12 from the free-throw line, which was critical, and we know he's not normally a good free-throw shooter, so late in the game especially, that can be a big problem for him. This happened to be Brooke Lopez's and Middleton's best performance of the playoffs, so it didn't work out too well for them. Lopez had 24 points on 80% field goal, and Middleton had 28, 6, and 5. Good stat line for him. He capitalized more this game with a lot of points off turnovers, 28 versus 10. That was clearly one of the big um, focal points of the game. And also there was more second-chance points, which were a result of a huge rebounding difference between the two, 46 versus 34. Game two uh, was a much uh, tighter one. This time the Bucks out-rebounded and, and had more second-chance points. However, the points off turnovers were still in the Heat's favor, which is largely due to their fast transition play. The game ended 116-114 to 114 for Miami Heat, giving them a, a 2-0 series lead. However, there were two controversial calls at the end of the game. Uh, one was a three-point foul on Chris Middleton, which I believe was, was due to not leaving enough space for the shooter to land um, because the contact on the arms was questionable. Middleton jumped into Dragic, who stood still with his hands up. That tied the game up for mid- uh, after Middleton made all three free throws. Um, with only four seconds left, though, the Heat got the ball to Jimmy Butler on the left side of the court, facing the basket around the mid-range area. He then got double-teamed as the clock was expiring and a late contesting Giannis got called for a shooting foul, where he barely touched Butler as he was landing. Butler then made both free throws to seal the game. The only player above 20 points for the Heat was Goran Dragic with 23 points. However, for the Bucks, Giannis had 29 points and 14 rebounds. Middleton also contributed with 23 points. In Game 3, um, our last day of the week recap, uh, we witnessed a historical fourth quarter. 
uh, where the Heat were able to outscore the Bucks 40-13. to 13. Uh, They finished off a 12-point comeback, taking the 3-0 series lead, which, which is one that no team in history has ever clawed back from. Jimmy Butler played great in the fourth quarter, even when Giannis uh, chose to guard him uh, for the last four minutes or so. He still set up great plays, drove strong to the basket, and made some tough shots, especially the one-handed running skyhook he made after bursting by Giannis, which led him to saying, he can't guard me. Bam had a solid night too with 20 points and 16 rebounds on 7 for 8 shooting. Crowder added 17 points and Dragic had 15 points too. For Milwaukee, Giannis put up 21, 16, and 9, but on on 7 for 21 shooting. 0 for 7 from 3, which isn't good, obviously. Lopez added 22 points and 6 boards. The Heat shot better from the field in the end, had more assists, and also out-rebounded the Bucks. They are definitely a solid team that plays great basketball, but I can only honestly say that I didn't expect this from them. Even though Gabriel's bracket got the first round right, we are both looking like we are going to get the second round wrong. Moving on to the Clippers versus Mavericks. On Sunday, there was game six of the Clippers versus Mavericks, which ended up being the deciding factor as the Clippers won 4-2, moving on to the second round. Marcus Morris was ejected early on in this game, which was a result of brewing beef between him and Luka Doncic. After he denied intentionally stepping on Luka's injured ankle, Morris fouled uh, Luka hard, hitting him in the head and pushing him to the ground. Kawhi Leonard obviously kept up his strong play with 33 points, 14 boards, 7 assists, and 5 steals on 61% shooting. No one else had above 15 points for the Clippers, so it's not worth mentioning. Um, but Doncic did all, all he could for the Mavericks. His stat line was also incredible with 38-9-9, um, a near triple-double. Doncic had no supporting cast, though, as only two other guys were in double digits for scoring. Dallas won the first quarter, but lost the next three and, and just shot worse overall. The game ended 111-97, to making the Clippers wait for their opponent between the Jazz and the Nuggets series. In that series, we, at the end of our last recap especially, the series was 3-2 Utah, and Adam's prediction was looking good, but then Jamal Murray came out balling in Game 6. He had 50 points, 5 boards, 6 assists, and went toe-to-toe with Donovan Mitchell yet again. Donovan had 44-6-5. Denver lost the first quarter, but won the next three, ending the game 119-107. to Denver shot a solid 55% from the field this game, was able to rebound the Jazz. Jokic had a solid game, 22 points, 9 assists performance. Grant also added 18 points. Meanwhile, Mike Conley was the only other Jazz player who had a great game with 21, 5, and 6. This made for a dramatic Game 7 and a very solid basketball game to watch. It was low scoring, but that's because it was hard defense and a fight till the very end. Denver was up 50-36 to 36 at half and made it look like the winners of this game were, would be very clear. Utah, however, made it very interesting as they sparked a comeback, keeping it very close and fighting for the lead. Gobert stepped up in the fourth quarter, attacking Jokic and playing stellar defense. He ended with 19 points, 18 boards, and two blocks. Mitchell had 22 points, nine board performance, too, but he had nine turnovers. He did try his best to contain Jamal Murray, though, who everyone knew would be the biggest threat this series. He did a fair job, though, as Murray ended with 17 points on 33% shooting. He was doing a lot of full-court presses in this game, especially near the end. Meanwhile, Jokic was getting frustrated with Gobert's sudden strong play in the fourth quarter, when he responded with a few baskets of his own. Jokic led the game with 30 points and 14 rebounds. The final sequence of events was epic as Gobert caught an alley-oop lob while getting poked in the eye by Jokic, 
to tie the game with 47.5 seconds to go. Then Jokic backed down Gobert, landing a post hook with 27.8 seconds, taking the 80-78 to lead. Utah had the final possession, and as Mitchell was on his way to attack the basket, get the ball poked off him from behind. The Nuggets ran the ball the other way and somehow missed a wide-open layup on the fast break. Gobert then grabbed the ball, threw it to Conley, and Conley dribbled by his defender, pulled up a leaning three at the buzzer with a late contesting Jamal Murray in his face. The three rimmed out, but almost looked like it was dropping, and the series was sadly over. Donovan Mitchell was waiting on the other side of the court, open for the pass and the ball to take the game-winning shot, but no one gave it to him, and he sadly had to watch it roll in and out. And Denver somehow completed that 3-1 series comeback, becoming the ninth ever team to do so. Donovan Mitchell was obviously heartbroken and after the game, but Jamal Murray showed him great respect, gave him a hug, and now we can say Adam's bracket is officially wrong. Sorry, bud. Darn, man. <laughs> we on to the Clippers versus Nuggets. Uh, this set, the second-round series just started. Um, all we have seen is game one, where the Clippers uh, blew out the Nuggets, 120-97. to uh, The Clips took their demanding lead in the second quarter uh, when they outscored the Nuggets 38-20. to um, The Clippers simply shot much better from the field this game uh, with a whopping 57% compared to the Nuggets 42%. Kawhi had a 29-point performance on 75% field goals, uh, field goal shooting, um, which is obviously very impressive. Um, uh, Paul George added 19 points, and Marcus Morris added 18 points as well. Uh, no one had above 15 points for the Nuggets, just five players barely above double digits. Uh, the Clippers now hold a 1-0 lead in the series. Now moving on to the Lakers versus Trailblazers. Uh, the Trailblazers managed to get through h- half of this game somewhat successfully without their star player, Damian Lillard. The score uh, was 68-68 to 68 at half, but the Lakers blew out the, the third quarter and carried the 131-122 to 20, win home. Davis had 43-9-4 on 78% shooting. Wow. Wow. And LeBron James had a 36-point triple-double um, on 74% shooting. Um, two fantastic games uh, from them putting up great numbers while also shooting very efficiently. Um, they did all the work as the next man in line for scoring was uh, Kentavis Caldwell-Pope with 14. Um, Danny Green continues to be useless in, in the starting lineup with five points, two for eight shooting and one for six from three. Well, that's what happens when you ring chase. Uh, CJ put up 12 numbers as well in absence of his backcourt partner, dropping 36, six and seven. Carmelo had 27 points and seven boards also. The Lakers shot better and also moved the ball better, tallying more assists. This helped them win the series 4-1, to moving on to the next round. Now they have to figure out who their opponent would be in the Thunder Rockets series. Starting where we left off last week, there was a Game 5 once the season resumed, which saw the Rockets blow out the Thunder 114-80. to Harden led with 31 points and 5 dimes on 73% shooting. Kind of rare for him to shoot that well. Uh, Schroeder had the most for the Oklahoma City Thunder with 19 points. Danilo Gallinari is usually one of their top scorers, but suddenly this game, he went 0 for 5, ending with one point in 22 minutes of play. Obviously not good for them, and when he's not playing well, you can pretty much assume that their offense is not rolling. The story of this game was OKC's rough shooting. They had 32% from the field and 15% from three. They also had far less assists and many more turnovers than the Rockets. Westbrook also returned from his injury this game. First game back, good for the Rockets. Another advantage for Houston was that Shorter was ejected for hitting Tucker in the groin while trying to fight through a screen. 
PJ was also ejected for retaliating with a headbutt. OKC then should have abused the matchup down low after they lost their short center. They could have given the ball to Adams more, but they didn't, and that was kind of the cause of their loss. In the next game, it was OKC's turn to seal a victory, tying the series 3-3 and forcing a Game 7 after a 104-100 victory. This game was a close one. Harden led Houston with 32-8-7. Russ added 17. Covington added 18. For OKC, Chris Paul put up 28 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, 3 steals, while Gallinari came alive again, 25 points, 5 boards. OKC led most of the 4th, but the Rockets were clawing their way back, eventually leading 100-98 with just over a minute to go after a Russ layup. Then with the game tied by Schroeder, OKC had one of the last possessions where Paul drove by Covington, drawing a shooting foul, and then making both free throws to lead 102-100. to With a critical game-tying possession for Houston in the next play, Westbrook tried to drive and kick, but passed it out of bounds, causing a turnover. The game was then won off of free throws from there by Danilo Gallinari, which led to an exciting Game 7 to see who would verse LA. So this game was as close as it gets, as neither team ever uh, held the lead in double digits. This game, like the Denver and Utah's Game 7, was largely based on defense. Harden was held to 17 points and 9 assists on 4 for 15 shooting, 1 for 9 from 3. Russ had 20 points, while Covington and Gordon both had 21. For OKC, Dort had a phenomenal 30-point game, shout out to him, which is the most points scored by a rookie in any Game 7 ever. Uh, Chris Paul also had a well-rounded game with a 19-point, 11-rebound, and 12-assist triple-double. P.J. Tucker got the ball in the corner and turned down the open three-pointer, which he just missed previously. Instead, he made a floater with 125 to go to take the 103-102 win. After a series of crazy high-intensity plays from both teams, defensively and offensively, Houston was able to grab the ball. Then Russ drove and missed his third left-handed layup in a row during the dying minutes of the fourth quarter. OKC held the ball with the last play of the game and a chance to win. They eventually swung the ball and found Dort open for three. But Harden came flying over and got a piece of the ball, sending it flying in the air. With just under two seconds left, Dort caught the ball and tried throwing it off of Harden in order for it to go out of bounds and stop the clock. Harden's IQ was on point here as he predicted the play and jumped over the ball just in time for the Rockets to take possession and make a free throw. OKC had two timeouts to draw up a good inbounding play. Plus got lucky with a defensive foul on Houston, causing one free throw. However, Gallinari missed the free throw and OKC still managed to screw up their inbounding play, settling for a bad short pass to Steven Adams around the three-point line. Why is Adam Adams on the three-point line? I still didn't get that play. <laughs> he should be around the bucket, especially with, with that much time, time left on the clock, yeah. uh, which did absolutely nothing. They should have drawn a better play that saw Adams obviously cut to the basket or, or stand there for a tip or something else, a screen. Um, because, yeah, obviously there's no use for him being that far out. Uh, so now the series, uh, the series was 4-3 win for the Houston Rockets, and they are now set to face the Los Angeles Lakers. So now moving on to the, the Rockets versus the Lakers. Uh, we have only seen game one of the series so far, and surprisingly Houston st- stole game one, 112 to 97 Mm-hmm. Harden drops 36 points this game, helped by Gordon's 23 and Westbrook's 24, 9, and 6 stat line. Davis had a decent game with 25 points and 14 boards on 63% shooting. LeBron had 28 and 7, which is not good enough for him. AD and Braun also combined for 7 turnovers. Uh, everyone else on LA shot kind, kind of badly and did not help the Lakers, which seems to be their huge downfall this year. KCP shot 2 for 8. Danny Green shot 4 for 12. My head. 
Uh, Rondo and Kuz shot three for nine. Combined, they shot six for 21 from three. 29% from three uh, for the supporting cast, which isn't going to cut it for the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, this game was mostly lost in, uh, in the fourth quarter as Houston pulled away, outscoring the Lakers 27 to 18, and they now lead the series 1 0. Okay, so now moving on to our favorite series, Raptors versus Celtics. Yeah. Um, when looking at game one of the series, it was a, it was a disaster for the Raptors, yeah. losing to the Celtics 112 to 94. The historical drought continued with the Raps losing game one and having uh, a poor game one performance. Um, in this bout, everything was against the Raptors. Uh, the defense wasn't the greatest and then struggled to find the rhythm on the offensive side of things. There were no standout performances uh, from the Raps as the team shot 31 to, uh, out of 84 from the field and 10 for 40 from three. Fred Van Vliet did get a career high in steals with six, but that would be the only positive you can pull out of this one for the Raps. Uh, the first quarter was won by the Celtics, 39 to 23, which set the tone for the game uh, favoring the Bees. Uh, uh, Boston had players outside their big three perform with Williams, being the rim runner he was, being five for five from the field. Smart providing a team-high 21 points for the night. Uh, Tice snatching 15 rebounds and scoring 13. Uh, the big three for Boston was kept uh, to average performances, having Kemba dropped 18, 3, and 10. Tatum had 21, 9, and 2. And Brown had 17, 5, and 4. Yeah, I just wanted to say something about that game. One, overall, our team just played absolutely horrible basketball. We were not getting lucky at all, especially offensive end. Kyle and Freddie, they weren't finding the rhythm. They weren't finding their shots. They both shot horribly. Pascal Siakam was absolutely lost that game. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't make a play. His offense was, was horrible. He couldn't back down. He couldn't get anything causing turnovers. It was a horrible game from him. Marcus Gasol just as lost. He's been basically non-existent on the offensive end. Basically, the whole team just really, really, really struggled game one. And, you know, we kind of were hoping that we would just shrug it off and focus on bettering ourselves for game two. Yep. Now moving on to game two um, of this tight-knit series, the Raps couldn't buy any luck as the Celtics squeezed out another important one, 102-99. to uh, Raps should have taken this one and known that it could be costly moving forward in the series. Uh, the Raps are known to always bounce back after uncharacteristic performances, um, which happened in game one, but that turned out not to be the case here. The story of the game was smart coming out of the woodworks in the fourth nailing five huge triples to put the, the work the Raps did in the first three quarters out the window. Um, Raps' top performers were OG, who had 20 points and seven boards. Ibaka had 17, 9, and 2. Freddie and Lowry continued to struggle shooting the ball, going 3 for 19 from 3. Powell, Boucher, and Davis uh, didn't have any impact as well. Uh, Gasol was fouled out as he looked completely lost on the floor. I just wanted to say one thing about Gasol. Uh, if you're looking at him catch the ball um, around the three-point arc, uh, he's always looking to make a play, but he's sometimes he's not even looking at the basket. Like he's, they're leaving a Tice's like is is leaving, leaning off of him, and he can shoot the three ball. He's he's uh, historically a good three-point shooter. I don't know why he's not shooting it. I don't know if it's the confidence. I think or... it's the confidence. I think he's I lost a lot of his confidence is. this year. He's not yeah. shooting too well, and I think that like especially this the, in the bubble we've seen it. He hasn't shot well at all. His three-pointers are like not even. Popping in and out, they're like far left, far right. They're just totally rimming out. I think he's lost a lot of confidence and just doesn't really want to shoot anymore from there. Yeah, that that has to change because, yeah. you know, Nick Nurse's offense, um, it relies on the three ball a lot. And uh, if he's open and they're leaving him open, he has to be able to shoot those shots. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, moving on. 
Um, Siakam didn't make the best basketball plays in terms of IQ this game. In the last two minutes of play, he couldn't make the right pass or be the clutch scorer we needed him to be. Yeah. Um, for Boston, they had another strong performance from Williams uh, with 11 points and four boards, five for five again from the field. Uh, Smart tacked on another 19, making six threes. Brown had 16, Kemba had 17, and their best performer was Tatum with 34, 8, and 6, having shot 14 free throws and making all of them. Raptors coach Nick Nurse said postgame that the refs treated him well that game. He almost had more free throws than our entire team. Well, that says something about the ref, the ref crew there. Uh, the officiating wasn't the best, as Tony Brothers and the rest of the crew had some questionable calls that changed the game. Uh, after this game, the Raps knew that the Celtics team was, was for real and wanted to end this series as soon as possible. Yeah, I think going back to game two, the way the game ended specifically, I think what Shaq had to say uh, after the game was right, that like he is like not a, uh, a true star. He was a kind of a star without like, by like forced because Kawhi left we had no choice but to make him a star because he was a second option when Kawhi was here and he was having a nice breakout season I think yeah. he got forced into this role too early and going down the stretch I don't like to see him in that um you know last two minutes of the game they just give the ball to him and try seeing what he can work out I think we have to stick with our full team basketball give it to the guards let them run simple pick and roll plays pick and pop plays and then if you want to drive more plays to get to get everyone involved great I don't think we can do what we did with Kawhi. Just give the ball to Pascal, let him try to ice or let him try to um, draw a double team and then kick it. Like it's not like when Kawhi was here where he was such a big threat that that type of offense would work. It doesn't work the same with Pascal and I don't think it ever will. He's getting forced into that role of being some type of um, clutch star top performer that I don't think he is or ready to be. And I think you can agree with that. He is like a solid second option player who was a good threat when you had to take pressure off of Kawhi. But now yeah. putting him into that star position, he's not ready for that. He hasn't had the skills for that yet. He needs to maybe adapt to become that role. Yeah. So game three was a relatively close one compared to the previous games because we overall played much more solid. Uh, guys got out of their shooting slumps this game. We were still struggling a bit the first half. We were down 57 to 47 at half. However, we took charge in the second half of the game, outscoring them in both quarters and making the ending very close. Lowry came out strong and clearly angry at his pre- uh, previous play the past two games. He had 11 points in the first quarter, ended with a varied solid stat line, 31, 6, and 8. Freddie played solid 2 with 25 points and 6 dimes. Mark came out more aggressive also, so that was better to see. He played more solid overall at the beginning of the game, considering Ibaka had a rough night, only 2 points, 1 for 6 shooting. However, we will get to Mark's mistake in the fourth quarter. For Boston, Kemba was clearly dominant and caused us much of the problems in the first half. By the end of the game, he had 29 points. Uh, Jalen Brown also contributed the most after that with 19 points and 12 boards. Luckily for us, Tatum had an off night, shooting 5 for 18 from the field. And Marcus Smart uh, had a shocking 4 for 15 from the field. Combined, they produced 26 points, 14 boards, and 10 assists. The game ended with a back-and-forth swing. After we were down 4 points in the quarter, uh, we turned it around to be up 4 points with just under under the 6-minute mark. Then we went back down with four points uh, with more than one minute to go. And not going to lie, at this point, I got a little scared. I was starting to think that we blew another game, down four points. And I thought, we cannot go down 3-0. We have to wake up. Why are we playing so crap each and every game? I expect us to do a lot more better in this series. I didn't think it'd be this close. But now looking at the final 30 seconds, Freddie tied the game up with a nice layup. Then the Celtics dribbled up their last possession with the ball in Kemba's hands. And this could have sent us home if he wasted a little more time on the clock. So we had a foul to give, and I was yelling at the screen, foul, 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 because I saw we were doubling, 
And Kemba was a smart point guard. He knows how to get out of a double team. All he had to do was find an open guy and a wide open look could have cost us because the Celtics offense has been phenomenal so far this series. Mark and Freddie were double teaming him, which meant Tice was open under the basket, but Lowry shifted to cover that. However, someone was still open and they could get a wide open look. So what Mark should have done was cause a reach and foul once Kemba got by him. You know, Mark is a lot slower and Freddie obviously is a point guard. He can guard Kemba much better. So Kemba's obviously going to attack Mark's side. Once Mark was too slow and Kemba got by him, he should have got, he should have did a reach and foul, gave up the foul to give, and they could have stopped the play, reset the defense. And there would have been about maybe three or two or three seconds on the clock, which would have been good and not enough time really to set up uh, such a strong play. We would have done a better job there. Instead, uh, we have now Freddie and Mark out of the equation. Kemba was basically attacking the basket like a five-on-three since they're both behind him. So now he has an offense with just three defenders in his way. He's got to worry where Kyle is, where Pascal is, and where OG is. But the other two are kind of out of the equation because they're behind him. So since some of the players had to step to Kemba's deadly mid-range pull-up, that's what he's known for, Larry had no choice but to step there, which left Tice wide open under the basket for an easy dunk with 0.5 seconds left. The only other option Mark had if it was not fouling, once he got beat, he should have quickly dashed straight for Tice because the big man was unguarded, and he could have got an easy putback or a dunk like he actually did. Instead, Mark joined the multi-person pursuit of Kemba, which involved Lowry and Freddie already. I think overall they were just a lot focused on not losing the game. They didn't want to get beaten by a game winner, and they know Kemba is a clutch player and a superstar on that team, the main player, so they would have assumed that he would have gone for a game-winning shot. So they obviously the pressure was on that play, and Mark probably wasn't thinking straight. He just thought Kemba's going for the win. He's going to pull it. Meanwhile, there was an easy game winner awaiting. But luckily, there was 0.5 seconds left on the clock. I was banging my head thinking we blew it, down by two, and we were going to get kicked out of the playoffs soon. All I knew was that we needed a miracle since 7'5 Taco Fall was yep. coming in for his first seconds of play, which was 0.5 seconds, to just stand and guard the inbounding Lowry. I think a, a, a good thing about this was because there's no more fans, they have like the quarantine social distancing, Larry was able to stand farther back for the inbounding pass, allowing him to pass yeah. over Taco Fall. And the players near the ball were moving around trying to make cuts and create space. Freddie got doubled for a half second by Tatum and Tice in that corner. And in that time span, Brown had to come over to cover Marcus Saul, who would have been deadly under the basket, obviously. So while Tice was shifting back to join him in the paint, that split-second time frame, OG was left open in the far opposite corner. So Lowry sent a beautiful cross-court pass right into the shooting pocket of OG. It was a great pass, who had barely enough time to chuck it up, but he did. And bang, he hit the dagger to win the game, 104 to 103, and did the coolest, most casual walk-off ever after hitting the buzzer beater. Our whole team went crazy, running off the bench to jump on him and hug him, not to mention fans around the world and the internet in general exploded after he made this shot. I know I was going crazy when I watched this game. I did not think he was going to make that. Didn't even know if the pass was going to make it there in time, nor be as good as it was right into his pocket, perfectly set up. Because if he wasted time catching it down low or too wide, it wouldn't have gone up and it wouldn't have been in. I think Raptors fans around the world are extremely thankful for the possible series-saving moment by OG. And the NBA community definitely gave him the recognition he deserved through Twitter. The series is now 2-1 Boston, and we're set to play Game 4 Saturday night. Okay, um... I have a couple of questions set up for you. Um, with the first one um, being, um, like we talked about earlier, um, with Pascal's struggle, struggles at the end of the game, um, who would be, we be giving the ball to at the end of the game if, uh, if you were in Nick Nurse's hands? Would it be a certain guy? Would it be the open shot? Think, I think based off our basketball, it should be the open shot. Um, Kyle and Freddie have produced better in the fourth quarter. We know Freddie, steady Freddie. He loves that fourth quarter. And they both made 
the last two shots of the game, both layups, clutch layups. Mm-hmm. I think if anyone's going to create an ice or somehow create some type of offense, they would have a better chance of that. And they are overall higher IQ players. I like the ball. I like to see the ball in their hands at the end of the game. Okay, I could I could uh, really agree on that. Um, Marcus Sol, uh, do you see him? Are you seeing him uh, start again in Game Four? Are you seeing him come off the bench? What's your What's your take on that? I really think Ibaka is much more dominant this series, better player overall this season, and I think that he would be great on the starting lineup to to match. Um, Boston Celtics strong starting lineup, but I'm also going to say what I've heard. You you were with me when we heard this. I think if Marcus Gasol was on the bench, that would cause a lot of problems for the bench. Um, if he comes on with the starting lineup, it's okay. But if you actually have him with like other players like Norman TD, I, the offense is going to be really slow. And I feel like Abaka off the bench provides a little more of a spark when players are slowing down in the starting lineup and they're getting a little tired. We bring him in with a boost of energy and he attacks the basket hard. Whereas if you put Mark in. That bench comes a lot more slower, a lot more lethargic, and the basketball is not as uh, energized-based, which is usually what the bench is for. Okay. And when looking at the Celtics' offense um, and how how well they've been playing uh, this series, um, would you be looking to guard them with a man coverage, or would you be looking to cover them with a zone coverage? Um, mm. uh, it's a very difficult question, but I just yeah. wanted to hear your opinion on it. Yeah. Um, if we do guard this, they are a strong three-point shooting team. Overall, they, they do – everyone can shoot the three, and they're willing to shoot the three. Um, they're not as scared as us or, like, guys like Mark or Pascal who have not been consistent from there. Yeah. So I think that zone could be dangerous because if they move the ball well, which usually they can, they are a smaller team, they do move the ball well, they can find the open man and be deadly with us from three. Uh, and then if you look at the man situation – it's just more of like guarding your matchup, but they do have crafty guys like Tatum and Jalen Brown, who even with man coverage can still find, and even Kemba, sorry, even with man coverage can find a way to sauce their defender up, get by him, blow by him, uh, outmuscle their way. So I think the zone might be a good switch to just uh, off balance the offense and see how they react to that because we do have strong help D and it kind of allows more of the drive. We're kind of welcoming the drive a little bit more because it's zone. They might, pass up on the three, go for the drive, and then with the help, hopefully it causes uh, a disturbance in their offense when they try to kick it out. We're already prepped for that. So maybe once in a while it might be good to switch it up, but overall I'm not really sure which would be the dominant out of the two. Okay, and then last one for the evening, um, um, Tice and uh, Williams, um, both uh, not being amazing, amazing three-point shooters. Um, would you like to see Mark uh, lay off of them and kind of double whoever's coming to the rim or – and kind of leave them open and kind of do what Boston's kind of doing to us right now with Tice kind of leaning yeah. back and double teaming? I um, think that that would probably be effective. Um, we know that the other four starters on the Boston lineup have been deadly to us in different games, Kemba and Tatum for most of them. But even when they're sleeping, then Smart will have a blowout game. So I think that we should maybe take our chances and focus on just shutting down those four stars and see if the other players can come up clutch. Okay. All right, so that's it. We hope you all enjoyed. Uh, please like and subscribe. Check us out on YouTube if you want the visual version of this. But you can also get the audio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Check us out on Instagram, at Rapsville for NBA news and content. 5,100 followers plus. We're moving our way up. Thank you, everybody, for the support. And, yeah, that's us signing out. Peace. Peace.